if I've supported a woman through her birth, I never ever want her to say thank you or you're amazing or you know any of those things. She's the one who's amazing. She's the one who's given birth. Welcome to Baby Wearing Southwest Carrying and Parenting Podcast. This episode, I had the privilege of interviewing and chatting to an amazing woman, and to me, a bit of a local hero. She is an antenatal teacher, a doula, a breastfeeding counsellor, and a Bowen therapist, and a general all-round support of families. So, hello, Sarah. Hello, Kizzy. Hi. Uh, welcome Thank you. to um, Baby Wearing Southwest Carrying and Parenting Podcast, uh, my first non-family related uh, interview. <laughs> um, so, I have brought you on really more as a uh, personal reason, because you helped me a lot in my first, especially first year of parenthood. Mm-hmm. More about that later. Would you like to start off by telling us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, Yeah, I live in Somerset. Uh, I've got three children, uh, one coming up 18, one 15, uh, one 12. And I have a dog that I spend a lot of time walking with on the Quantox. And the dog's name is? Lottie. Lottie. Super. And what is it that you do in the parenting world? Um, In a nutshell, support parents. Uh, So I have various roles and different ways in in, uh, how I support parents. Um, And so you're supporting parents not just once they've had baby, you offer that sort of the antenatal stuff as well as actually during birth. Am I right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So usually, probably the earliest I meet parents is sort of um, around six months of pregnancy-ish. Yeah. Um, and for some parents, that will be supporting them through their birth. Um, other parents, it's through antenatal classes. Um, and then also postnatally um, through the drop-in group that I run and um, beyond. Super. So... Uh, Tell us a little bit about your drop-in group that you run and are part of. Okay, so the drop-in group was one of the first things that I did, so uh, right at the beginning of my journey of supporting parents, so going back about 10, 11 years ago now, um, and I ran drop-in groups in children's centres originally uh, okay. for breastfeeding support. Yeah. Because you're a breastfeeding counsellor, aren't you? I am indeed. So I'm a breastfeeding counsellor with the NCT. Um, so I ran those groups uh, for a number of years until um, sadly the children's centres were closed um, and then we moved out of our local town and into a nearby village yeah. um, and set up uh, another group and that ran under various different guises until about last January um, when we decided to um, break away from the NCT and set up and run um, as an independent group um, called Nourish.
and you run weekly? Yeah, we do. We're there every Monday morning. So we're at the Cannington United Reformed Church in Cannington. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Monday mornings, 10.30 till 12.30. And from if it's, I think your setup is very similar to when I went four years ago. It's uh, welcomes pregnant parents dads are welcome and partners are welcome Absolutely. as well Absolutely. um and you have trained peer supporters we do so we're just um halfway through a training program at the moment mm -hmm. um so <clears throat> we've got our committee members so there's five of us on the committee and we're all peer support trained um and then uh we've got We've got 10 volunteers training with us at the moment and then we've probably got on top of the committee and those volunteers about another five peer supporters. Amazing. Um, so because we're all volunteers, everybody who is connected with this group is a volunteer, um, we try to sort of keep everybody... Bit of a rotation. Uh, a bit of a rotation, yeah. yeah. So you, when I used to come to the group, I actually came to your group when I was pregnant. I was, I think, about 18 weeks um, off work sick because of extreme pregnancy sickness and was actually living okay. just up the road and I came along for some baby wearing support I had a wrap and I needed to learn how to use it um, and the local sling library was there to offer that support and I had the loveliest warm welcome and there was always lovely snacks <laughs> around there's always good cake yeah cake <laughs> tea coffee sort of you know it was drinks it was a warm welcome something to eat something to drink um, and just a group of parents sat with children of varying ages and chatting. There wasn't, it was never teachy, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, you don't go in and you're not kind of sit and there's no structure to it. It's you come in and you sit and you chat. And yeah. um, that was always quite nice because sometimes you just needed the excuse to come in and chat. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I'm guessing it's still run in the same sort of Very manner. Very much so, um, and as peer supporters, um, they spend a lot of time training on listening skills. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that we probably get feedback about the most is the fact that um, mothers feel listened to and not judged in any way. Yeah. And that we give them time. Um, yes. Which is a rare commodity these it days. is completely and I get exactly the same when I do home consultations mm. the amount of time I spend in someone's home is generally about an hour and a half to two hours mm -hmm. um and I would say for over half of that is just sitting and listening That's and it. chatting mm -hmm. and reassurance and this is parenthood and it is normal that your baby is you know showing these behaviours and mm -hmm. things like that, it is all normal. Uh, I personally feel my breastfeeding journey went as it did because I knew where the support was before mm. I had Joshua. Mm -hmm. um, so I had him on Christmas Day. So I think I had to wait two weeks after giving birth to, before I could come and see you because you were very inconveniently having <laughs> festive break. Um <laughs> So, yeah, we were already two weeks in, I think, uh, once we came. But knowing that it was there was really helpful. Mm. Uh, and I think going before I had him, and I didn't realise it at the time, but looking back now, the thing that I learnt the most was different positions. 
Okay. I mean, breastfeeding peer support is all about supporting the parents to listen, but also it's about positioning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is about supportive positioning. Um, And I didn't realise how significant that is and seeing breastfeeding before having a baby because we don't see it enough in public. So it's not the norm. We're not seeing lots of different positions. We see cradle hold and that's about it, really. Um, And even then, it's kind of we see it without even realising it. We see it because we try and be so discreet when we're in public that it's kind of sneaky, hidden under, you know, sort of in a corner somewhere. So it was really, I think, for me, seeing different positions that people were feeding their children at and different age children. Mm -hmm. So my personal aim was something like three or six weeks or something like that. Um, So, you know, we're at four years now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was... um, I think that was really beneficial when I went as someone who was pregnant. So what do you... What does Nourish do to support and encourage those who are expectant parents to come and discover that place to come for support because mm. it's always easier walking into a place when Absolutely. you on your worst day because you need help mm. when you've been before mm. and if you can get people to come antenatally then as you say it's a familiar place mm. it's far less daunting yeah um to then come out with your week old or two week old yeah. baby uh when you're not having such a great time yeah um, if it's a place that you've already been to and mm. hopefully have found friendly um so four times a year we do uh, pregnancy events so okay, we literally had one this week actually yeah um so we invite um baby pregnancy related companies to come along yep. and have a stand it's it's pretty informal um and it's the same um hot drink and cake and a warm welcome um i do a little antenatal session now as well oh lovely um which has been quite popular um, and just encourage the mums to come along to the group and just um, see see what it's like, really. So yeah. it feels a little bit less scary when they have their baby. You were saying that you that's your drop-in that you do once people have had their babies. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you do to support people before they've had their babies? Okay, so I'm also a doula. Um, lady with many hats so uh i think i think i can say most people seem to know what a doula is now or yeah certainly people who are expecting a baby will have come across that term yeah but basically it's um somebody who supports either a woman on her own or um a couple through um from sort of mid to late pregnancy through the birth and sometimes postnatally as well yeah um, so I've been a doula for about uh, seven years now, I think. And um, how many births have you attended as a doula? Oh my goodness, um, I, d- I haven't counted to no. be honest. I don't. It's not something I do a huge amount of um, because it has such a big impact on your time and your family. Um, so I think my last client I was on call for for almost six weeks. Wow. Um, and that is a long time because you're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and although I may have a backup, that phone can't leave your side. Um, how do you manage that work-life balance in, I mean, as we said, you wear lots of hats. Mm. So the drop-in session is weekly. So that's almost like, you know, that's your scheduled hours that you do. Mm. But 
a lot of the other stuff that you do is not quite so set in stone. So yes. how do you how do you manage that with three children? I mean, obviously your children are a little bit older, but they still need mum. Yes, yes, yeah, they do in in different ways. Um, how do I manage it? I do you know what, Kizzy? I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> I think I'm winging it. Just winging like it. All the other parents yeah. actually. I'd winging love it. to say that yeah. I'm this super organised have this amazing plan yeah. and, it, and it all runs smoothly but it doesn't I'm flying by the seat of my pants most of the time see because you are somewhat of a hero among um the can I just moms. say that nobody can see my face right no, now no they but can't really <laughs> but you are a little bit of a, a hero celeb in the local area and especially among um the friends that I made when my son was very very little and we were pregnant because the support that you offer and have offered people has made a had had a lasting impact upon them as parents and their confidence and just feeling that it's okay so to hear you say that even you are winging it <laughs> is really reassuring <laughs> Because I wing it every day. I wing it. Everything I do, I absolutely wing it. I one day woke up and said, do you know what? I'm feeling really shit about life and about myself. And I don't know what I'm doing anymore or why I'm doing it or who I am. So I'm going to set up a baby wearing business. And I did it. And a year later, I'm still doing it. And I'm doing it quite good. But I had completely wing it from every moment. I think winging it is a really... Uh key important skill to have as a parent because yeah. even if you think you can be organized and plan your day and you know what you're going to do your child doesn't that, listen that child doesn't read those plans no and you have to deal with things as they arrive in that moment um and boy have i learned to do that so actually would you say that maybe think that as parents we need to learn before we have a baby is how to wing it rather than how to read the books you know of how to create routine and all of those things of actually how to wing it is it winging it to me I mean I I parent and I I live my life listening to my gut and the yeah. times when I don't listen to my gut it it kind of goes to pot a little bit and I make maybe not the best decisions or I do things or I hold on to things that my gut says I should have let go of. Yeah. And I, I keep hold of it for that little bit longer because I feel like I should. And then I wake up and I listen to my gut. So yeah. actually winging it is, I guess, a way of getting in tune with your instincts and your guts almost. Yeah, and... That there is so much information, advice, mm. support, baby books, and they're all, all willing the to give it. it to you. <laughs> Absolutely, and and they go. They there's a spectrum, isn't there? From yeah. one end of the scale of uh, perhaps more rigid parenting to right at the other end of the scale of sort of non-parenting, uh, more, atta more attachment parenting. And I'm sure not all of those gurus could be right, nor could they be wrong, mm. and as an individual it's about you finding what fits with you yeah and best. your baby <laughs> the tricky part is when your baby arrives generally parents new, very new parents don't have a huge amount of confidence yes and that's where the problem lies is that they don't know where to turn to and no. that's, that's where the books or the yeah. blogs or whatever come in yeah three four months down the line 
you may still be reading those things or yes. picking up that information, but you'll have developed that inbuilt sense of who you want to be as a parent yeah. and actually what fits best for you and, and yeah. your family. And I think the people who are around you as well, I know some people have very strong-minded relatives or friends who are close by that may be telling them, in my day, it never did us any harm sort of approach and mentioning that lovely rod that all of these people walk <laughs> around with. Um, that I find quite a lot of parents have that gut feeling it's not right. And they're looking for someone to tell them that their gut feeling is right. Yes. And that sort of that strong willed person who is telling you about the rod yeah. is right in their day. And that worked for them. And that was the norm then. But I, I feel, especially in the last four years, I've seen more and more people going towards the kind of instinctive parenting. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of labels of parenting types yeah. because people would say, oh, you're an attachment parent. Yes, I bed share. Yes, I breastfeed. Yes, my baby's in a sling, but I don't follow all of the mm -hmm. typical attachment parenting approaches um, because, well, I'm not very good at following rules. Because if there's rules, if there's a type of parent you are, there are rules. And the second they become rules, then you then start following them rather than your child and yes. then there becomes a right and a wrong. Yes. And I feel that actually every situation, every person, every child is unique. Absolutely. And what you do is... Um... If, if it doesn't do what it says on the tin. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Like Joshua has been going to sleep within about five, ten minutes of going to bed and like tonight... It took me an hour. Um, and there are no instructions. <laughs> there are no guidance and there's nothing. All winged. Yeah, yes, definitely. All winging it. Um, so, tell me about your own children. So we talked about kind of that you're a winger. You wing it. Did you do that with your children? Your first child? Did you wing it with your first or... Of course I did. Yeah. I'm still winging it now. Because um, nobody gives you a set of instructions for teenagers either. Oh, no. And I've got two no. and a half. No. Um, it, it, what just popped into my head is something that somebody said to me, I think maybe when I had my second child, and they had three children, and um, she was... I, I asked her um, what... I was expecting my third baby. That's what it was. Yeah. And I said, as a parent of three, what, what top tip do you have for me? And yeah. her advice was, get a sling, funny enough. Yeah. And I remember her saying to me, it took me three children to turn me into the parent that I am today. Really? And that has absolutely stuck with me. And I, I feel happy with the parent that I became by the time I'd had number three. When I became a parent for the first time, I was completely in that world of just being overwhelmed. It was chaotic. I didn't know what I was doing. I was isolated. Mm. Um, I, I just worried all the time. Was I good enough? Was I doing it right? Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, had a pretty tough time of it. Um, started to find my feet maybe about by the time uh, my son was perhaps about five or six months old. Yeah. Um, and then the second one comes along. And so what's the age gap between? About two and a half years. Two and a half years. Eventually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, actually enjoyed parenting the second one. Yeah. Even though she screamed for about the first three months of her life. Did she? <laughs> she was a very, very unhappy baby. And to this day, I really don't know why. Don't know what the reason was. Um, no. Um, so if... What would you if so? Somebody who's listening has that baby, the screamy baby, the screamy baby. Yeah, that we have no idea what's wrong. So doctors are very quick to say it's colic, which parents then go, "Brilliant, that's a diagnosis. It's not. It's just a label of unexplained crying." Yeah. So there is normally reason behind crying. We just have to try and figure out what it is, or if we can't figure out what it is, we have to try and kind of find ways to manage both of you yeah. and be as happy as you possibly can yeah. so what did you do to try and help through that that what must have been a really challenging time an unhappy newborn mm. and I'm sure a wild two-year-old yeah yeah um somebody bought me a book on um something like 10 ways to soothe your colicky baby oh yeah I never opened it because no. I was pacing around a room trying to see the colicky yeah. You needed a podcast of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I might have tried baby massage. Yeah. Uh, we did try cranial osteopathy yeah. by the time she was about six months old. And that, that did help a little bit. Um, I used to just try and get out. Yeah. Get out anywhere. Yeah. And she was born in November, so it was quite hard Chilling. getting out. Yeah. Um, and with a two-year-old. And with the two, two-and-a-half-year-old, yes who um, I distinctly remember when my daughter's about a week old, and I said, should we go out for a walk, Alex? And he said, yes, mummy, but I want to leave that, meaning his little sister, here. <laughs> so he wasn't too impressed with his little no. sister arriving, probably because she cried. Cried so much. Yeah. But interestingly, so she was diagnosed with thrush when she was about two weeks old, which yeah. I know now was a misdiagnosis. Yeah. And certainly I was never treated for it. Okay, so even if it was, you could have just... We could have just been just passing, passing it back and, it forth, back and anyway. forth. But it's 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 rare that you see thrush in babies that are that young. Yeah. And I haven't had any antibiotics or, you know, no, there was no reason, there was no reason behind them. Um, but she never put on any weight. She was born okay. on a sort of 50th centile. Yeah. And by the time she was about six weeks old, she was on about... Point three centile. Okay. So she never dropped weight. She just never maintained. Yeah. And the pressure and the stress of being really determined that I absolutely could breastfeed this baby. Yeah. And that she didn't need formula top ups. Um, and then the guilt of was I actually doing the right thing or was yeah. I starving my baby? Yeah. I think that it probably impacted more on our breastfeeding journey than even if she had thrush or yeah. anything else that was going on um and the self-doubt really does i think can really impact on absolutely you i never forget when the health visitor told me that um joshua had a poor latch and i think this was on the friday so i had to wait till the monday to come to your group and for three days we both cried Bearing in mind that, so he was three weeks by this point, he was above his birth weight, 
before day five. Um, we had no pain, we had no issue with weight gain, no issue with output or anything like that. Um, so there had been no prior issues. And suddenly we could no longer feed and suddenly we were no longer happy. And I remember coming to the group on the Monday and sitting and saying, something's wrong, they said, his latch is rubbish and all of that. And I, my instincts told me the latch was fine and that he was just comfort feeding because he'd already had a feed. He just wanted to go back to sleep because the health had woke him up. Um, but a professional gave me that the latch is poor and it, mm. it made me doubt myself. And it wasn't until someone sat I think it might have been you actually sat next to me and said, right, okay, go on then, Joshua, get on with it sort of thing. <laughs> um, and he fed and you, you were like, so which bit are we not happy about? And I was like, I don't know. Because <laughs> it all seems awesome here right now. Some of the volunteers at the group have uh, put about a rumour that I have oxytocin perfume. Ah, <laughs> yes, that may explain it. Because... It's not an uncommon event for a new mum to arrive and within the first minute or two burst into tears mm. and um, we uh, make her a cup of tea, we set her down, we introduce her to some people around her, um, we offer her a cake, we make a fuss of her baby and make a fuss of her and then the number of times there's suddenly like oh my goodness, my baby's just latched on. How, yeah, how did that happen? It, it's about relaxing it the shoulders. and It is, it's that whole, it, it's such a world away from being in your house on your own, yeah. sat on your sofa with a baby that's not very happy, yeah. not feeling confident about what you're doing, yeah. and that adrenaline level creeps up. Yeah. And I think that probably was what was impacting with my daughter. With yours, yeah. Um, and why breastfeeding was pretty tough going mm. for her yeah and um perhaps the reason why she didn't put on that weight was because of my stress levels so if you were to meet a mum who was you then mm. same story mm. or if you would that person's listening what's the first thing you would suggest that they went and did go to their nearest breastfeeding group you want face-to-face -face support, not the... So quite often I'm, as a breastfeeding peer supporter and a mum, I have, I'm in lots of feeding support groups and some of them are fantastic and they're really great when you lose that confidence in yourself yeah. once you're already reasonably established. Um, but I, I personally think that you can't beat yeah. a face-to-face... Absolutely. support of to give you the tea <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah social media's got its place hasn't it yes. particularly if at you three o'clock in the morning absolutely at three o'clock in the morning um then whatsapp is you know fantastic yeah. um but i think that that support and and most importantly being with other mothers as well yeah and um you know them acknowledging look we've we've been where yeah. you are and look where we are now um says a lot more and, yeah. it, and it is that drip 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 it's it's very difficult in um you know one-off conversation to yes. boost somebody's confidence yes. to the extent that they can go home and still feel confident yeah. um and it is just that you know we see this time and time again when women write their feedback about the group that they will 
nearly always say how they ended up being able to feed for so much longer than what definitely anticipated. definitely and i think so one of the thing i i'm a breastfeeding peer supporter and i am a breastfeeding mother but i am a strong believer in supporting parents however yep, they absolutely. choose to parent overall if yep. you don't want to use a slate that's absolutely fine i can still listen to you i'm still able to have a conversation yep. and relate to you um and formula has its place and for some people it is the feeding choice that best suits them and their family yep. and i'm supportive of that i however struggle that quite often when there is an issue in your feeding journey that the solution was always formula yes yeah. in my experience and a lot of mums that i see who have had challenges among their journey the the instant solution is formula mm -hmm. which when you have that drip fed to you lots of times mm -hmm. you, you may start introducing a formula top up or you may start introducing a bottle before bed or things mm -hmm. like that which some people find works really well for them and every situation is unique and every parent's journey is unique and every story is unique and some that is exactly it but sometimes that isn't what they wanted. And I think the thing that I loved the most about that, the group that you run on a Monday is that you go in and you can moan that your child hasn't slept in three months. <laughs> but, you know, they don't sleep for more than 20 minutes or only on you. And the second that they're near you, they have to be latched on or um, you know, any possible parenting worry that you can think of there was never the suggestion that the solution for it is formula or is that it was listened to and it was oh my goodness I so had exactly the same yeah when my child was that age and it's learning that actually by those conversations that it's the normal infant behaviour, but also then the suggestions actually, you know, well, what is it about environmentally that could maybe be the trigger for that or the reason for that? What can we do? How can you survive? Mm. How can you learn to dance together to sort of fit? Um, and I think that's what the face-to-face -face support can offer you yeah. that maybe the online can't. Yes in my experience of it's about getting to the bottom of what what does the mother want what yes for her yeah well, one of uh the peer supporters who's training with us at the moment um her own journey with her baby uh she was really struggling with breastfeeding um and had gone to see a health professional and the health professional said you are going to stop breastfeeding and i'm going to go and get you some formula now because that particular health professional saw that as um a solution to, yeah. to this mother's problem yeah and because of the mother's emotional place at that time she went with that advice yeah um, and very quickly bitterly regretted it yeah um and i just think how different her journey might have been mm. if that health professional said what is it that you want to do and what do you need to do what you yeah to do. and how can we help you do that yeah. um and i from speaking to you and other lactation consultants um you're not anti-formula not Absolutely anti not. those things yeah. but it's 
very much about listening. What do you instinctively want to yeah. do? What does your gut tell you you want? Yeah. And a lot of people I know whose journeys have been shorter is something that sits uncomfortably inside their heart for a very long time yeah, because absolutely. you can't go back and change that. Yeah. Um, and they've done the best for their baby and them and that, you know, no one's questioning that, but it's, I think in their heart and I, I like to think that the support that as professionals we offer, we give them that little bit of ownership over that yeah. and like empower them to be able to fully follow that gut instinct yeah. and listen and support. Yeah. So talking about listening to your gut and sort of following your own guts and instincts you have changed your path slightly recently <laughs> <laughs> i'm not talking about I've the added... hula hooping <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> no i've added another hat another hat <laughs> so it's it's not it, it's different, but it's still support. Um, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your kind of your additional hat um, <laughs> and how it fits in with what you're already doing. Because I have heard of this therapy um, and treatment, but as in adults okay. um, and never pregnancy or baby. So okay. tell us more. Okay. So, Bowen therapy. Yes. Uh, it's a holistic therapy, um, very good for realignment in the body. Yeah. Um, it works on a layer of connective tissue in our body um, called the fascia. And through our daily movements, through illness, through surgery, through accidents, through our own posture, you can get areas of tension within that fascia and what the bone does is release that tension okay. to enable the body um, to heal itself. Okay. Because our bodies can do that yep. um, if they're enabled to do so. Mm -hmm. So I came across Bowen um, in the realms of it being used uh, to help babies uh, with breastfeeding difficulties. Okay. Um, so uh, the way babies are born um, even if that's a straightforward birth, can still impact on their alignment yeah. uh, because of the various twists and turns that they need to go through to, to be born or yeah. perhaps things like forceps delivery or even caesarean births. Yeah. Um, the babies can still be left with tension, which can then impact on their breastfeeding or, yeah. or their behaviour, so their calmness, yeah. their settledness. Um, so that was what first got me interested in Bowen. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I did a little bit more reading... I read about the benefits during pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, so things like optimal fetal positioning. Yeah. Um, relieving pregnancy aches and pains. So things like sciatica, pel pelvic girdle pain, that sort yep. of thing. Um, so that was it then. My mind was made up. Mm -hmm. um, and off I went and started doing my training. And then experiencing Bowen for myself um, just left me in awe of this therapy to be honest <laughs> so I had uh, dislocated hips as a baby and yeah. I had about three months in 
frog plaster. Oh, wow. Um, as it was in yeah. treatment in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and it does still look like the... Is it called frog plaster because it no, in the frog position? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're in the... Yeah, you're in the frog position. Yeah, in the frog but position. But I was in a solid cast up to my armpits. Up to your armpits, wow. Because it's now just lower part of the body. Yeah. And it's not... They quite often do a harness. Yes. Um, which support carrying actually supports that position the ergonomic slings and things now supports that position um and we have i've used like wraps to go around harnesses to support because it's very difficult to carry a child who's in a harness or um cast so it went all the way up to your neck my armpits your armpits I, i still can't quite work out what they did with my nappy no. Uh, but it was the end of breastfeeding for my mum. Your mother. Um, ah. So I'm not sure how old I was when I was pregnant. Is that because she couldn't position you? Because I was on my back. Yeah. And um, at that time, it was the norm for parents, or certainly in the area where my parents were living at the time, that parents took their sick child to hospital. Yeah. And they left them there. Oh, and wow. When, and when they were better, they came and collected them. Oh, okay. And that was it. And yeah. my mum was thought to be very strange because she spent the whole night with me. Oh, wow. Um, so there was just no support whatsoever for her to continue mm-hmm. with breastfeeding because I was on my back. So how can you feed your baby in that position? Yeah. So that was the end of that, which it still devastates her to this day, really? actually. Um, so, yeah, so it didn't cause me any problems for about uh, 35 years or so. Really? Um, and then I started to get knee pain initially, followed yeah. by hip pain. Yeah. Uh, and eventually had to have surgery to try and uh, put off having a hip replacement. Okay. Um, but when I got into the Bowen, it was fantastic because uh, it helped my body realign. I can literally have a treatment, get off the couch and instantly feel... The different my uh, the whole alignment of my pelvis and uh, lower back is completely different. How so amazing. it keeps me mobile, it keeps me pain free, which yeah. is great. Always beneficial. Absolutely. Um, so I qualified last year. I have used Bowen um, for women during pregnancy. Um, I've used it for women who've had breech babies and back to back babies, um, and the Bowen um, has helped that realignment and. The babies have turned. Yeah. Whether it was the bone or not, nobody can say for certain, but yeah. uh, they've moved. I've used it during labour for uh, pain relief. Um, and I've used it uh, to help with babies who are unsettled. Um, so I've seen quite a few babies who've had incredibly fast births, which can yeah. sometimes yeah. have a bigger impact than perhaps you would imagine yeah. um, it to have. So helping to settle them, just to calm down their uh, nervous system, basically, yeah. um, and to help with feeding. So so where do you practice? So I've got two treatment rooms. Yeah. I've got one in Netherstowie, um, yep. there on a Friday, and then I also have a room at Marlborough House in Taunton, and yep. I'm there on a Thursday. Amazing. And... So, what kind of sort what do we call them issues a baby may have that Bowen can solve mm. or uh, help? Yeah. <laughs> um, so colicky symptoms. Yep. Yeah. Reflux. Yep. Yeah. Um, quite often, 
babies have a tight diaphragm. Yes. It's a, a big muscle in the body and mm -hmm. it's obviously not really used before birth. Yep. Uh, so often babies can have a tightness in the diaphragm which can then result in the refluxy symptoms. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's to do with neck movement. Yeah. So um, interestingly, my, my daughter, I hadn't even spotted it, had a very restricted neck movement, couldn't turn to one side. Yeah. And that was something that the cranial osteopathy really helped her Helps with. Um, so sometimes when babies won't feed on one side, yeah, it's, um, to the... it's, it's because of them being unable or being yeah. uncomfortable in turning their head. Yeah. Um, and then unsettled babies as well. So yeah. some babies generally like things to happen slowly and gently. Yes. Um, so when they've experienced a very fast birth, we can only imagine what that is like from yeah. a baby's perspective. Yeah. Um, and Bowen treatment is quite it is gentle. I mean, I've I was your guinea one of your guinea pigs when yeah. you were training, yeah. and um, with some Instagram up <laughs> dating sharing of knowledge, I was fortunate enough to be repaid using um, so having some Bowen. So it's so when we talk about realignment and things, I initially think chiropractor which can yeah. be quite harsh yeah in this it's quite physical um yeah. there's or like physio or anything like that it's quite a physical thing they're big movements they're noticeable movements bowen's not like that is it it's very no. gentle and actually sometimes you think you're just not really doing anything yes <laughs> yes i do uh, if people go back uh, when people go back for a second treatment sometimes they will say sarah i did walk out of here thinking what has she actually done um and then they get up the next morning and they're yeah. like oh my goodness wow yeah. and they can they can feel it yes. in their body yeah um, often um aching afterwards i, I remember the the day after i my lower back was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> the days after it was amazing and I yes. felt completely different um but yes that first day it's like after you've been to a yoga class yes. you know anyone that says yoga is relaxing yeah. and you know chilled and unstrenuous is um I think this is where Bowen really fits with me because it's not about me looking at somebody's alignment and saying you know, oh, that's wonky there, I need to straighten this or no. do that. Although I do look at people's alignment to give me a guide as in to where to work, yeah. it's the technique itself yeah. rather than myself yeah. that is enabling that realignment to occur and then the, the body going back to where is right for that individual body. Yeah. And that's what I... I love about it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's been really interesting talking through just kind of our experiences and your journey and the different hats that you wear. <laughs> uh, so to finish off, we've I think we've covered this actually already, but what kind of, from your experience of supporting parents before, so during pregnancy, during birth, and once their baby is there like what tip what top tip or what kind of bit of we don't call it advice because we're not here to tell people how to do things absolutely but what 
and I know that's something you are very passionate about. It's there one of is, my most hated words. Yes, <laughs> advice. And it's not something as a, I think a family and parent supporter is basically what you do, isn't it? It's yeah. like the Boeing. You're, it's not anything that you do that changes who they are as parents yeah. or their feeding or their birth or anything like that. You were just guiding their bodies to find kind of the... Giving their bodies the tools to realign. I My aim is to be an enabler, not a yeah. come in and problem... Dictator. Fixer. <laughs> so if I supported a woman through her birth, I never ever want her to say thank you or you were amazing or... You know, any of those things. She's the one who's amazing. She's the one who's given birth. But I think you have to... You do have to... You don't have to because you can do whatever you wish. <laughs> but I think... I think you underestimate the impact that your approach to offering parent support enables that parent to have the birth that they want or have the feeling journey that they want because it might be in there but you provide them the environment and the opportunities to get that mm. so it's, a it's thank about, you is needed it's sometimes. about not having ownership yes. and and having humility and i i love every aspect of what i do because it is it is a, a it is a privilege to be able to witness that journey mm. and that's what i really get back from um the work that i do is seeing somebody go from that antenatal place when they're pregnant and the anticipation of the birth and that that monumental change that parents go through and if i can be a small part of supporting and enabling those parents to be the parents that they want to be then yeah. I'm, I'm a really happy person so what top suggestion would you give parents listening who are considering what to do either during pregnancy for their birth or they've just had a baby and listening what 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 kind of one thing would you like them to be able to take away from this podcast it has to be support. Mm -hmm. Think about where you can get your support. Yeah. What sort of people you want around you for that support. Yes. And make sure you reach out for it because it is out there. I know it varies a lot from area to area and it may not always be the face-to-face -face support that you need. You may have yeah. to access it in some other way. Yeah. But, yeah. Just make sure you support. Reach out. Yeah. Finding support and reaching out for that. So much for um, coming round to my home on my new sofa. Um, <laughs> Very lovely it is. <laughs> and yeah, coming to have a chat and being my first interviewee. Um, and thank you. Thank you 
You've been listening to a Baby Wearing Southwest Carrying and Parenting podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed chatting to Sarah. Until next time, bye.